Christina Rea, and welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work that gets seen without playing the Hollywood game. Or at least while changing the rules. Hi, I'm Brie Castellini, your other co-host, and today we're breaking down burnout. If you'd like to suggest an upcoming topic, send us a compliment, ask us a question, or otherwise get in touch. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at BreakingOutPod or via email BreakingOutOfBreakingInPod at gmail.com. And if you want deeper dives into everything that we cover on this podcast and want to help us get over our burnout, perhaps subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash BreakingOutPod. For just $1 a month, you can support us and and show that you love what we do. Uh, For $3 a month, you'll get access to all of our bonus content like templates, curated learnings and custom infographics. And if you want to go all the way up to our uh, our true sugar daddy level at $10 a month, you'll get all of that, a sticker and a shout out at the end of each episode. But enough about that. Christina, <laughs> how are you feeling? <laughs> um, this is kind of a busy time in both of our lives. So it's, it's sort of very busy. accidentally became a, a very relevant time to have a conversation about burnout. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's we we just finished our Patreon pledge drive, and yeah, like literally two days ago. Yeah, and when I proposed doing that, I didn't know that I would be in the middle of moving, like really right. in the middle of moving, and so that made a world of difference. September was supposed to be a pretty slow month um, for me, but it was it did not turn out to be. Moving is just the worst combination of everything you're busy but you don't have any of your stuff you don't have like the comfort of like going home to you know a clean place Mm -hmm. because it can't be clean because you're in the middle of tearing everything apart and discovering oh wow we haven't cleaned this spot in apparently four years and so I'm pretty exhausted I would say (laughs) yeah that's that's very fair that's extremely fair I am also exhausted. Yeah. We, right before we started recording, I was I was giving the woe is me story to Christina about my last couple of weeks because I, I was in Michigan last weekend uh, from Thursday to Monday for Hell's Half Mile and Freep Film Festival. It's my first work trip in almost two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be over two years because I didn't actually do any trips in early 2020. I was just like going around New York City. And so I was I was obviously working all over over the weekend. But because of the way that coverage is currently at my my day job, um, I couldn't take like some days off to, you know, make up for my at the very least lost weekend. Um, I had to kind of just hit the ground running again. And it is now the weekend again. And I have another thing that I have to do tomorrow night for work. (laughs) And then I have to work all next week and go to New York City for 36 hours where I'm like working all day Monday, taking a red eye to New York to get there and work all day Tuesday, do an in-person class on Tuesday night and then fly back home on Wednesday and start working again after that and continue working through that. And then um, next weekend (laughs) is also busy. (laughs) So basically, like I'm in the middle of you know, a three and a half week, no breaks run. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that's fairly common for me during this period of time, basically September through like early November is always the worst time of my year. It's been this way for probably the last five or six years, just for a number Mm -hmm. of reasons. But especially now that I'm like a a professor, this is like when class is ramping up. Um, And, you know, this year, the added difficulty is that I'm not even in person. So like my class is in person, but I'm not. And trying to figure out the (laughs) technological logistics of that are making an already kind of stressful season more stressful. So yeah, I would say I'm feeling pretty burnt out. 
all things yeah. considered. I, I, I looked up a definition of burnout just to sort of center the conversation because I think that there's a lot of different ways that people define burnout. Uh, and I, I think it's important to have a, a common ground to have a discussion about this. So what I found, what one of my favorite definitions of burnout that I found was that burnout is a reaction to prolonged or chronic job stress. And it's characterized by three main dimensions, exhaustion, cynicism, less identification with the job, and feelings of reduced professional ability. And then uh, someone on Twitter responded to our asking for questions and comments about burnout with sort of a um, an additional bit of definition. Uh, Jazz on Twitter said, occupational burnout is a systemic issue. There's no amount of self-care on any level that will cure burnout. Our jobs are tied to our livelihoods, i.e. Mm-hmm. health insurance, paying bills, time off, etc. If the whole system is corrupt, individual choices can only go so far. And I, she's absolutely right. She's mm-hmm. 100% right. And it's one of the reasons why like the IATSE strike that is almost certainly happening at the time that you're listening to this and is like currently being voted on as the time that we are recording this is such a big <laughs> deal because they are making very basic demands that frankly the system can absolutely accommodate without that much difference in like the people who are the decision makers day-to-day lives and yet for whatever reason they want to continue along the status quo because it Mm -hmm. seems convenient i don't know it doesn't make sense to me why rich people won't just like give poor people a little more money because like you're literally not using it what is the point you like to see the numbers be bigger than the other numbers like are you a child Yeah, I mean, I don't understand it either. It's obviously greed. But like, to what end? What is the, (laughs) like, I genuinely don't understand the point of it. It's like, it's one thing, you know, I'm obsessed with money. But like, (laughs) I'm obsessed in the sense that like, I would like to not check my bank account before I buy a Christmas gift. You know, like, it's that sort of an obsession with money, which I feel like is a fundamentally different level from like, I want more money for the sake of money, but not for the sake of because I want to buy security or a Christmas gift. I think it's not about the, I mean, it's obviously just some degree about the money, but it's really more about power. And when the majority of people in a nation are able to live a generally decent life, then they start to advocate for themselves in other ways, right? And so then you Mm -hmm. can't control a population. And I think that that's really what it comes down to is like making people hate each other because they blame each other for not having what they think others are are taking away from them. And instead, you know, instead of actually like having some space to process and think through critically structures and then start to question our entire structure as a whole. And so I think that that's really what it comes down to is like even the slightest bit more money gives people time and space to start to question the entire system and the way it's set up. And who it benefits. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, but, I mean, because that's a conversation we've been having having basically since we started this podcast mid-pandemic mm-hmm. is, like, the ways in which our priorities are shifting. And also, I've noticed in myself, like, specifically during the pandemic that, like, where I would used to get, like, frustrated with coworkers for taking time off because I was jealous I couldn't take time off, mm-hmm. I realized, why am I mad at them that they yeah. can? I yeah. should be mad at the systems in the companies I'm working for that do not allow the same grace for me. Like, it's not mm-hmm. my coworkers' fault that they happen to be in the department that has a little bit more coverage. Like, right. I'm not mad at them at all. And that is an interesting, but no more helpful <laughs> revelation. Because yeah. I think that's the, t- the tough part about burnout is that, like, 
even if you recognize that it's happening and why it's happening, it doesn't really change anything because as yeah. Jazz points out, you know, it we are it is attached to our livelihood. Like yeah. if I quit all of my 18 jobs, then I won't be able to pay for the apartment that I just got and really like. And I won't yeah. be able to go home and see my family because yeah. I won't be able to buy plane tickets. And it's it's just a cyclical nightmare. So <laughs> should we try to center this around... I don't know, film and TV industry. I guess I, I don't really know how to have this conversation other than to sort of unpack it and maybe try to offer some relief. But I don't know. What, yeah. what are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know how to have the conversation either because it is such a – it's so many layers. There's so many layers. Like mm -hmm. there is the present time of living through the pandemic – and sure. also just the various injustices of our mm -hmm. our current system and politically like the administration that we just survived but then the incredible like disappointment of the replacement administration that's just doing absolutely sure. nothing to help people and then there is like the work conversation and I don't really know how to divorce any of it. Like I don't really know how to just talk about film and TV outside of the broader just capitalist work environment and then also to not then just talk about American culture in general and sure. everything that's wrong with it and that's happening in it. Yeah, it's definitely a complicated web of, I don't know, everything's bad. Leave us alone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, so I guess let's maybe center it around like, how are you feeling about your career? And obviously, caveat is that next episode, our final episode of um, non-Patreon mm -hmm. bonus episode of the year is going to be like a career update because like things have happened and, and life update yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> sort of the penalty ultimate is the burnout that leads up to the updates next week. But like, how are you feeling about your career? Are you feeling invigorated after, you know, a year um, since not. leaving your full time? Yeah. Okay. So that that maybe let's start there is like, so you left your full time job last year. Yeah, explicitly to sort of focus on art. And you know, I mean, given the pandemic and the voting and the, all of that other stuff. Right. That, going? that was that was part of why I left. I mean, to be completely honest, I think I had a very complicated relationship with my previous job because I was passionate about the ways in which I was able to help other creators through it, but I was overlooking a lot of my own mental health in order mm -hmm. to be that person for other people. And like the last year, I've done a lot of reflecting on things I wasn't even necessarily picking up on, like something I've had to really unpack and really ch work on changing about myself is taking pride in my hustle, like taking pride in how I could grind and grind and grind and making that like my sure. identity. Like, oh, Christina's so busy. Mm -hmm. Christina's so prolific. She just like is nonstop. And it's like, that's not healthy. But that right. was like a thing that was tangible, felt tangible to hold on right. to about myself because I could I wasn't where I wanted to be like actually in in terms of what mm -hmm. I found satisfying because so I didn't have I didn't have markers of success or markers of progress I just had like busyness right, right? and and mm -hmm. my ability to produce is what I could take pride in mm -hmm. and I think there's a level of personal responsibility where I had to work on my own 
boundary building, but there was also like Mm -hmm. a culture of abusing my inability to say no, (laughs) right? And yeah, because that's the thing is you can put up as many boundaries as you want, but if like you can't actually enforce them without losing your livelihood to bring it back to that, then, you know, right. what's the point of turning off Slack notifications if you're just going to get texted and emailed <laughs> and all that kind of stuff? Right. And so 2020 was at the beginning of the pandemic, I like was really, really productive because I was just mm-hmm. energized to find solutions to make people still feel like creatively fulfilled and inspired and I felt like oh I had I had a purpose within that and so I did dive into my job like full force but then suddenly I was working seven days a week and even though that had been the case before I was like traveling and I was getting to have fun, like moments of fun and moments that didn't right. feel like work. You got to work. meet people. You got yeah. to, you know, yeah, feel like outside of your your normal right. box. But that wasn't there anymore. And there was just like no room to pull back. It was just more and more of right. just be, having more expectations and more work being thrown on me without like being asked if I could take that on or really being given anything like any kind of incentive to take it on. Right. Well, because every company, especially companies like the ones we were working for was struggling, you know, and so like that you can't also uncouple that like a business has to make money in order to pay its employees. And during a pandemic where no, no one is crowdfunding and no one is filmmaking is sort of a rough time to be a platform that helps filmmakers crowdfund. And so like there's the understandable element of like, we have to keep this fucking company going so we can eventually get paid again the same way that we used to be. But the other level of like, but we are also, oh, right, we're people. We're not <laughs> cogs in a machine. And like, mm-hmm. there there seemed to be no grace for either side. Right. And that's really, really a, just a terrible situation right. that wears on you. Yeah, yeah. And so things kind of came to, it's interesting, like timing wise, things all kind of came together emotionally and externally at the same time where it was technically after I made this decision that I had OTV studio reach out to me about managing me, that it felt like, oh, that maybe is an actual viable option that I could start to shift to focus on my creative career that I say Mm -hmm. that I want, you know? I think, I don't want to, I presented it on social media at the time just to avoid like answering a lot of questions because I was fucking burnt down. I didn't want to have to like field questions and justify yourself. Right. And so I presented as just like, I'm going to pursue what I want to pursue. And like, that's why I'm leaving. But it was a much more complicated reason behind it. Reasons. And, and yeah, so that was a very long winded way to get to the actual answer to your question. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, because my question comes after that, right. but this is all very useful so, context. So yeah, I mean, I will say for one thing, I'm still feeling that burnout from four and a half years of that job and particularly 2020. And so, and I have really been working barely part-time, like it would, it would be a lie to say that I've been working even like 20 hours a week, honestly, on things that make me money. And Mm. that directly is because of my husband. I talked about this and I think our fifth episode, What's in Your Wallet, he got Mm. a raise. He's doing well. He very much was like, take the space to 
figure stuff out, to focus on your writing, to like, of course, there's, I still need to make money for certain things, but I don't need to, right now, at least where we are, I don't need to have a full-time job and I don't even really necessarily, I mean, what's been nice is that I've been freelancing so I can charge for certain freelance gigs way more hourly than I was making, you know, an hourly wage at a sure. full-time job. So like, I am still working and, and I am still making some money. But anyway, all that to say is like after a year of of barely working part-time and I'm still recovering, I feel like mentally mm -hmm. from that whole thing. And so that's why I'm hesitant to like <laughs> offer solutions when we live in a world where mm -hmm. most people can't even fucking take like a week off of their job. There was a tweet that went around uh, not long ago that was like, if your burnout can be solved by taking a couple days vacation, then it's not burnout, which is true. Cause yeah, mm -hmm. burnout is the more like yeah. holistic sense of almost purposelessness. <laughs> Yeah. And not knowing what the point is and just like, and as a result, that like cognitive dissonance being a really tough thing to reckon with. Because I think that's where my main issue is with burnout is that like, you know, I, because I, I'm exhausted all the time. And so, you know, when I'm mm -hmm. after work, I just sort of like conk out, but like the sleep doesn't help because the problem is not the lack of sleep. Although that's, you know, always a problem mm -hmm. for me. I'm just a bad sleeper. But the problem is that like when I wake up allegedly physically rested, the cognitive dissonance remains. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm in a weird position about talking about my actual like 15 day jobs but I will say like <laughs> yeah. for like my main burnout right now is with film and tv like I feel like I don't really know where to go with it but my mm -hmm. status quo isn't working yeah. and I think that some of my cognitive dissonance is my own I don't want to say fault but like it is my own choice because like I'm always going to be a little bit resentful of the jobs I'm doing instead of the jobs I want to do. And I don't think that that's doing my paying job or my own life a service. Mm -hmm. And I'm having to like make some decisions about like, do I want to be actively pursuing an arts job without any sort of path for it? You know, it'd be one mm -hmm. thing if it was like, I need to get into this program and do this thing, you know, and right. like there's like a clear but there's not in the film and TV industry. What? Like even once you're in, you don't have any level of stability and any yeah. level of like, this is exactly where my yeah. next job is coming from. And so if I'm yeah. not even into that system yet, what am I doing? <laughs> Cause I can't keep right. doing this. I want a life. And yeah. so I'm having to think about like, do I want to go full down the path of like the career I accidentally created for myself as like mm -hmm. a community manager and creator educator and just sort of mm -hmm. go for that and maybe hope that something else changes down the line, you know, find, carve out times for myself to write occasionally, but not make it like a major focus. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, do I go in the other direction, get a job as a barista again, and just like fully, you know, pull back on my quality of life to its bare essentials, figure out the exact mm -hmm. literal amount I need to just survive, no bells and whistles, and then just go whole hog, you know, writing, submitting, making projects, whatever, like, is that the, that's the other path. And like that one, I think I've aged out of, I think I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm about to be 30. I want to have a family, I'm getting married next year. And that's going to be a huge fucking, like, expense. 
And I don't think mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm able to be a starving artist anymore because I also value having a life. Right. Yeah. So that's I think why I've also been struggling over the last year, and and it's like it's hard to talk about because I know that I have such a privilege to be where I'm at. But when I had my job before, I was able to immerse myself in this career that I accidentally carved mm-hmm. out myself, the same thing that, that you were saying, right? Yeah, we basically have a, like, we right. worked for somewhat different companies, but we very much have the same trajectory. Right. And I was able to feel like, okay, well, I'm not getting, I was able to tell myself that I'm not pursuing that creative path fully because I'm on this one. Like, this is my, also my mm-hmm. focus and being able to make stuff is what I find fulfilling totally, but it's not like what I'm pursuing. I'm just trying to balance these two things, right? And then coming to the conclusion that that job was really not what I wanted. Like I I wasn't gonna feel Mm -hmm. fulfilled by it alone. And that I do, I have so many stories I wanna tell and I was getting tired. I was, that was the other part of it. I was just hitting this breaking point of like, I can't keep making no budget projects. I- Yep love filmmaking. I love storytelling. I have so many things I want to write. I have so many things I want to bring to life. I don't have the money to do it. And I don't have the Mm -mm. connections to money to pursue money. But I also, and at once upon a time, you know, it, it made sense to like, wear all of the hats myself. But at 32, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't have that same kind of energy or desire. And I don't feel right. Keep continuing to ask people to work for less than what they're worth. Yeah, because everyone else around us is also aging up. And it's like, we're, we're old enough now that we don't want to exploit younger people who maybe are in like the grind mode that we were and all the people around us who we've built trust and credibility with. We can't we know what their money struggles are, we can't not pay them. So it's like, right. what is, what's the goal? To what end are we going to continue to make for nothing? Like some people right. love the grind and they love it through their thirties, but. Whew. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's exhausting, especially if you also want a life like that exists outside mm-hmm. of your career and your identity as a career, uh, your career as an identity. The other piece of it was that like putting out work and wanting to, get it seen on a bigger scale, it's just so hard without playing by some of the Hollywood rules, which is like getting names. Mm -hmm. And then you like need money to get names. And it's just, it's, you know, it's just so hard. And so it made sense somewhat when I could sort of rationalize that like I wasn't fully investing myself into that quest because I was working this full-time job and I did have passion there. But when I started to realize that like, it was just dwindling returns in terms of fulfillment. I I then decided like, okay, what can I actually do? Because I can't, like quitting my job makes it even harder for me to produce my own work because I was, at least when I had a job, I was putting some of my own money mm-hmm. into stuff so I could pay people something, you know? And so it's been a weird year because I've always been like against this idea of being chosen, like having to- mm-hmm wait for somebody else. Right. I'm only worthy if like the powers that be, if the gatekeepers choose me. And I know that that's a rigged system, that it's like mostly Mm -hmm. the children and grandchildren of people who worked in the industry before. It's mostly rich people. And like, that's not to say that they don't work hard, but they have a door, they have a foot in the door already. Like people will pay attention to whatever the fuck they make, whether it's good or not. And so 
I've always been against that system, but I also was like, if I'm going to try and get to some level of like someone who gets to make work Mm -hmm. and has some sustainability, I need to pursue that a little bit. And so I spent the last year, you know, talking to my manager and, and I think what anyone who has a manager will tell you and what I was told before I got one is that it's still so much of your own heavy lifting like it's still it still falls on you to do so much of it and really they just kind of guide you they give you advice they mm-hmm. give you feedback on your latest stuff they maybe tell you like what's strongest for what opportunities but generally I found that it's still just kind of like me expected to hustle and pitch myself and push and so I submitted to things that I maybe I would in past years never did like the Warner Media thing that we both submitted to but I just found mm. myself like hitting a wall of, okay, well, like if I don't get in and odds are I'm not going to, and I didn't get into that, right? And and, and I didn't even submit to right. that many things, but the few things that I did submit to, it's like the odds are so against me. This can't be the only way, but I'm also really mm-hmm. like, I do not want to move to LA. I, that is 100%. <laughs> I know that about myself. I'm willing to live in LA for periods of time, for short periods of time, sure. for certain jobs like that things come along but I'm not trying to move there and like hit the pavement and start you know at the bottom being somebody (laughs) on the pavement I don't know what the to do right exactly there's nothing happening because the delta variant and because la takes the delta variant seriously like there aren't even those signs that are like only you know if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask like every it's just everyone wear a mask everyone Mm -hmm. 100 wear a mask so all of these in-person things keep getting canceled and Mm -hmm. so like i don't even know what to hit the ground running means literally being here which is why you know i've been here two months and i'm like maybe i should just not be a filmmaker anymore (laughs) (laughs) right so you know But that's so that's the thing is like, I feel like, you know, we talked about this a couple months ago, like I just found myself kind of having a breakdown over Mm -hmm. feeling stuck, like feeling like I'm just sort of trying to keep my head above water and not really knowing where to go. And what I think is so hard is for me to divorce like my feeling of success from Mm -hmm. industry validation. And it's like, can I find a way can I find find a way to be satisfied with making stuff and find a way to fund that stuff yeah and feel like I'm doing I'm like I'm I'm there I'm where I want to be and also have a life that like is enjoyable and I I, that's Mm -hmm. just like where I'm at I'm because the thing that I I like how it's always an afterthought of like oh yeah we want to like enjoy our lives and spend time with our spouses and whatever (laughs) right I mean but but that's something I over the last year I've really come to the conclusion about of so I'm moving upstate like I didn't say that and I was going to talk about that in our end of year episode and I I can elaborate on that Mm -hmm. more but you know we spent a Mm -hmm. lot of 2020 talking about just like having a farm and like you and I Mm -hmm. dreaming about the idea of just like moving out of a city and having a house and and property and a farm. And it was a fantasy. But at some point I realized like I actually do maybe not a farm, though I am excited (laughs) by the idea of maybe one day having goats, but I do actually really want a slower life and like to have, mm-hmm. I've never had a house. We lived in apartments my entire life. I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited about the idea of actually having a house, having a backyard, never had that either. And like not having to be in the rat race of the city. I think mm-hmm. that it's hard to like unplug from hustle culture and grind culture living in yep. New York City as much as I do love. And it's like, it's, you know, it's two hour train ride. Like I'll be back in the city, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, I think, Removing myself will also help in in figuring out this 
this where I'm at right now, figuring out all the things I'm trying to figure out because it sucks. Like not not being chosen for those things, it does hurt, you know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to get to a point where I truly feel worthy and good enough without those things, but I'm not there mm-hmm. yet. Like I'd be lying if I said I was fully there. And I think you know, social media. Like maybe we'll do an episode on this at some point. But I think social media doesn't help where you see friends who are maybe at similar like you know I have a friend two friends two friends in 2020 who got staffed and they're both like women who write horror and Mm -hmm. they're amazing I'm so happy for them but it's like they're getting paid to write the kind of stuff I want to get paid to write but then I also have to step Mm -hmm. back and be like okay one of them moved to LA, one of them moved to Toronto. I don't want to do either of those things. <laughs> one of them is like living in this world of she finishes staffing and she's like, I need to get my next job and this is really stressful and I just at all costs mm-hmm. need to be staffed and like I don't have that same desire. And my other <laughs> friend is like living away from her husband who's here in New York so that she can work on shows there and then and is coming back and like seeing him periodically and like I don't want that either so I've been really trying to be honest with myself about like where mm-hmm. does the intersection of what I want creatively and what I will feel successful about and fulfilled by where does that intersect with like the reality of what I actually want as a human being and mm-hmm. admitting to myself what I actually want as a human being has been the hard part because for so long I was like at all costs I want this thing when in reality, like, I don't, (laughs) I don't, and I I don't want to be. There are stakes now. You have other things that are priorities in your life that are not always the same. Right. But then there's also then the other layers accepting then that I don't get where I think I should be because of how much energy. You're not willing to sacrifice certain other things. Right. And I've had to, I've had to really remind myself of so much of what looks successful is not actually what I want. Right. You know, friend who gets staffed and is constantly stressed about getting staffed again. You know, it's like both of us would possibly commit homicide to get staffed, but then to then still be in a rat race. It's like, it's a lot of decisions to make. And it's like, you're working on a show that maybe isn't even creatively fulfilling. And then there's also the, all the microaggressions to put up with as a woman and a woman of color mm-hmm. in these worlds. Like I have uh, another friend who is a black woman and she's been staffed on three separate shows where she said white men in the room touched her hair, like in every single fucking room. And it's just like, and that's just like, like that's not even the worst of the thing. Like, have been the aware of anything? Right. I feel like anyone who's still touching black women's hair without their consent, uh, like, is just living under a rock or being willfully shitty. Like, I feel like that's yeah. like a meme at this point, how much you should just not fucking do that. So how are you so... Right. Be- oh, my God, that's so frustrating. And the right. funny thing is, like, so, Christina, as you're talking, and this is sort of kind of brings us back to the very beginning of this podcast, is I think I would still... I'm, I'm still in the position where if I could get a job on a shit show... I think I'd have fun with that because like Uh I've been on productions of like, you know, I don't love this script the most, but I'm having fun. Uh I'm getting to make things, you know, and I find little bits about it that I enjoy. Like I like just being creative and I like being creative even on a thing that is not like artistically fulfilling to me. And so I'd be willing to do that. 
but I don't know if I'm willing to do what it takes to get into those, even that room, you know, because right. I don't know what it is that it will take. No one will tell exactly. me. I can't, you know, right. nobody's posting writer's <laughs> assistant jobs. How do you get those? Nobody's posting office assistant jobs. How do you get those? Like, that's right. the most clear path, but you can't do that. And it's, so they're like, you're right. You submit know, to right? every contest. So I submit to contests yeah. and I, you know, we'll talk about this next week and I've gotten into a couple of them. Okay, what now? <laughs> Nobody's breaking down my doors. All they're saying is like, hey, you can get 20% off when you submit to our contest next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. That was my viral screenwriting Twitter tweet of the year <laughs> was like, why do you keep giving me, why do you keep putting me into the script contest to script contest pipeline rather than saying, oh, you're doing well. Let's pluck you out and do something else with you. It's like, no, you're just going to do this forever. You're just going to keep spending $65 mm-hmm. to apply to the Austin Film Festival for no fucking reason. But like, <laughs> you got nothing else to do. So you might as well. Right. right. So like I have scripts that I love and they're going nowhere. So of course right. I'm burnt out. The cognitive dissonance. Yeah, because it's like feeling disillusioned with. Mm hmm the fit the dream of like what your career could look like and what you've been told it could look like and the reality of what what actually is viable and it's kind of nothing like no path is actually pursuable because it's all about money and like who hoards money and there's no money Mm -hmm. in trying to make my own stuff because no one will fund that and like you know and then I can't pay people and then I'm just like I'm I'm just as bad then as the networks that are not paying anyone, you know? And so it's just like, there's mm-hmm. no way, it's capitalism, right? Like there's no way to work within yeah. it without becoming part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> or just like- 100% true. Sacrificing your integrity. It's and it, But it's frustrating because sometimes really amazing, like unique things come out through a Hollywood system. And it's like, that's what I want. Like I want that. But then you look at mm-hmm. who did that and it's, Nine times out of 10, someone's kid from the industry Mm -hmm. who was just like, do whatever the fuck you want because of who you are. Or it's like the one person who made it through. The exception to the rule. Right. And even then they probably like were doing all the things I realistically don't want to do, you know, like, which is Mm -hmm. like things I could have been doing in my 20s that I didn't want to do then. And I definitely don't want to do now in my 30s because I knew that odds (laughs) are it wouldn't have worked out. It wouldn't have resulted in what I wanted. And it's definitely not going to now. Right. And so, yeah. And so I, I think that's what's been like, even though I've had this space over the last year, what has con- continued to contribute to my burnout and feeling feelings of of just like di- directionless sort of I've, I feel like I've been on autopilot to some degree just because like I mm. don't know what's next step I'm supposed to take and so I've just been like submitting to stuff getting results submitting to more stuff getting more results <laughs> and and there's just like nowhere to go and so to bring it, you know, back to my bigger point is that like it's it is the it is the, you know, film industry, but it's all industries. It's our entire fucking system. Right. Like it's all so broken mm-hmm. and you're the options you're given. It's all just like the least of all the evils, <laughs> like of no matter mm-hmm. what what we're talking about. And we have the privilege to even be talking about this, about something that we're passionate about, because like there are obviously people that are burnt out from working you know, laborious jobs that make society function that they don't get paid well for at all. And Mm -hmm. 
like can't get a living wage in the slightest <laughs> and they don't have the luxury to like sit on a weekend on a podcast talking <laughs> about burnout because they're too fucking burnt out and they're also working probably three jobs right so yep. and they and they don't like any of them they don't they're not passionate about any of them yeah so meta meta question uh-huh. we have a podcast where we say that we're going to teach you how to make great work without breaking uh without playing the hollywood game or at least while breaking some rules in mm-hmm. your mind, how does this episode fulfill that promise or undermine it? Like, how how should we, like, you know, we're not just having this conversation in a vacuum, you know, you and I mm-hmm. are having this conversation on a podcast that we distribute to people. Right. How, yeah. how, how, how should we be thinking about navigating that on behalf of our listeners who maybe well, feel I- the same or saw us as, you know, being the one, one ladder rung above them, you know? I, I think that... We are undermining it to some degree, but we're also the only way, the only way that we can get to where we want to be and and to talk about the things that we want to talk about is to acknowledge the system as it exists and the Hollywood system and their rules, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that us talking honestly about where we both are is helpful and valuable. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like, I don't think that we're not doing what we tell people we're doing by by having this conversation. I doing I think we're doing exactly what we tell people. We promise because to do. yeah, because like we still make work that reaches audiences. We still make work that gets seen more than the average, I would say. We still have really mm-hmm. tangible tactics and tools that help you reach your specific audience, get your work seen, have an impact. We have understandings about the industry and about filmmaking and creativity and marketing that I think the average filmmaker does not because of lived experience and because of our own learning from other people, because of mm-hmm. where when we got into the industry, when we did, or at least into filmmaking when we did. I think there's all still value there and we do still give people that. And we can also talk about how it does not mean that you have your movie seen the same way a Hollywood movie gets seen. It does not right. mean that you're making money <laughs> off of your work <laughs> as if you yeah, are. Yeah, spoiler alert, we don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I don't think that that's like the thesis of our podcast. I don't think that's ever what we were selling mm. people. And part of why I wanted to do this podcast initially is because I felt like my previous job sometimes shoehorned me into having to pretend that that's the knowledge I had for people. Mm-hmm. And I always tried to avoid falling into that but sometimes Mm -hmm. it was just like the marketing around me was doing that whether I consented to it or not and so I really Mm -hmm. wanted to counter that and be really realistic that like there is no sustainability in the structure that it exists in and as much as we may have creative tools for you to work around things and within things that you can kind of try and game the system it's always going to be a fucked up system Amazon is always going to kick filmmakers off and keep lowering Mm -hmm. the rate you know anything that is built by the system is never going to be ours to use and anything that we create ourselves is unfortunately going to be crushed by something that comes along by the system to replace it and has better marketing and more money behind it and better resources and so it's going to have more eyeballs from consumers and you know viewers and 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 so I'm not trying to be super pessimistic, but like the reality is that what we offer is ways to find fulfillment and success, however you define it, 
outside of just the path that you're told is successful. And there is no one path that's right for everyone. The same way that Brie and I have very different feelings on the paths, about the paths that we're on and where we're going to go from mm-hmm. here. And I think that that is helpful in and of itself is just like hearing that there is no one right path. And that honestly, every path comes with some level of sacrifice, whether it is mm-hmm. like to your way of life or it is to your definition of success or somewhere in between. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I just thought it was it was important for us to acknowledge that out loud because I think that like nothing would be a bigger disservice to the the audience that we've built than if you and I, one of us or both of us, God willing, you know, finds the success that we're looking for in one way or another and there was no acknowledgement along the way of like there are periods of this, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I I feel like this is sort of a a a six month cycle for me about maybe it's been more like three month cycle recently, certainly during the pandemic where it's like, I'll have like a really good spurt of like, I'm getting recognition. I'm like doing really well at work. I've got like a new draft of the script that I'm so excited about. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, PMS and like one rejection come through at like exactly the wrong time. And then I'm just like a fucking basket case, Mm -hmm. you know, like this whole weekend, I'm like, I think I might just give up on my dreams and, you know, continue (laughs) to the education path and learning stuff to help other people. But I think my time has passed. And who knows, maybe next week I'll be like, ah, oh, finally, I got into the, the the screenwriting contest I wanted to. Maybe I mm-hmm. won't have to give up on my dreams. And I, I just, I think there would be nothing less honest than making it, quote unquote, breaking in, as it were, and right. not ever having acknowledged that like, there are periods of time that just feel like this. And sometimes right. validation of that period of time is enough. Yeah. Like I said, this whole year has been a lot of processing and figuring things out. And what I figured out was like, I'm never going to quit. I can't quit because this is a thing. It's a burning desire in me that has been there since I was a kid and is not going to go away. And sometimes I'm so envious of people who don't have that thing that they have wanted so bad their entire lives, like that don't have a sense of purpose that that they can't have. Because like I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to reach people with the stories I have to tell and to not actually be able to do that is is soul crushing. And so mm. I'm so off, like, sometimes I, I say to other people, like, I'm so envious that you don't have that like disappointment to feel. But then they're like, get the fuck mm. out of here because then my whole fucking life is directionless. Like I have no direction and that's <laughs> a worse feeling. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, you're right. So, you know, <laughs> like I'm so lucky to have a passion that I like feel a sense of purpose in because some people have nothing like that. And they, you know, mm-hmm. they they look for that elsewhere and end up harming themselves or harming other people or like becoming parents when they don't really want to because they think that will give them purpose or whatever, you know? And so where I was going with this though is that I was like feeling like kind of wanting to quit. I told you like two months ago, I just sort of had this breakdown. I was like, well, what the fuck do I do? Like, I can't keep making stuff on no money. I can't keep, you Mm -hmm. know, asking people to do me favors because of this like, you know, it'll get seen and liked by people, but it's like nobody remembers how they may love the movie, but they're not going to remember the second AC that made it possible, you know? And so it's like, right. that's not, that's not a thing. And, and like, I felt really good today that I was able to make a recommendation for a whole bunch of crew to a feature film that actually had a budget. And I was like, hire all these people that I have not paid before. But like that happens not enough to warrant asking them to work, you know, for for less. And so 
I was like feeling this way and moving was something I realized I had to do in order to continue having the energy to stay mm-hmm. in it. Like I can't quit. That's not something I'll ever feel satisfied with. Like the what if will always be in my mind. I, I, I can't live with that. But I also can't live in this like world where I'm, I feel like claustrophobic. I don't, I, I, and I don't actually feel like I'm getting at it, anything out of where I'm living, but I'm here just because of like the off chance that an opportunity could be here. And so that was for me, it was- Proximity to possibility. Right. And so for me, it was like, I'm going to move, get more of what I want out of actual daily life so that I have Mm. the, the mental energy to stay in this pursuit that may result in nothing because that was something I really had to think about is like, if I don't get there, will I- have regretted the life I lived because it didn't lead there. Like, I need to make sure Mm -hmm. that the life I'm living, I am proud of and happy with regardless of if I get this thing that I am pursuing, right? And so I'm trying, what I'm really trying to do and what this move is and other like changes that I'm making is making sure that I'm on that path of I'm living the life I want to be living, like that that I'm feeling good about and I'm also pursuing this thing, but if I don't get there, I won't have regretted not doing something or or you doing won't have regretted something. the rest of your life. Right, exactly. And and so yeah, that's that's like that's a choice that I made out of this whole period of of feeling stuck and and whatever. But it doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means it takes on a different weight in your day-to-day life. Yeah. And it's interesting you say how you want to be like really upfront about how there are times like this, you know even though there's there may be success and there is success like I posted about Game Brunch having three festival screenings this year or this month it's had like 12 in total this year but that it had three simultaneous ones coming up and it was just me doing the social media thing that you do you know you prom- like mm-hmm. promote when you have screens or film and one of my mm-hmm. friends she's a filmmaker acquaintance I, I wouldn't say that she's a friend but she's an acquaintance commented this is your year and I was like <laughs> is it <laughs> like God, I hope not. This is not what I want right. my year to feel like. <laughs> and I was like, it, I'm, I, and then I had another friend. So I went to speak on a panel in person for the first time in over a year. And one, a friend of mine who again is like kind of a friend, more of an acquaintance. He was like excited about me signing with OTV and that it's also like this incubator. So theoretically, one of my projects will get made, Um, but nothing has really come of that. It's been a lot of waiting. They're still trying to secure financing. It is still like a new company. It's a startup. It's a pandemic, like, and they're specifically Mm -hmm. trying to get funding for multi-hyphenate, marginalized, intersectional creators it's it's harder to get money when we're talking about people who are who are on the margins and and not sort of who people think are worth investing in uh, in a general sense and so it's been mostly just like waiting for updates and not many coming but he was like oh that's so exciting like you've made it like you're you've the dream and I was like not really but I didn't want to I didn't want to come off as like ungrateful for this potential thing so I I didn't because he he doesn't have even that, right? And so I didn't want to be like, well, it's actually not anything. But I also didn't want to be like, yeah, like, I'm so lucky and I'm so happy and I'm so satisfied when in fact, I just like feel stuck and unsure of what to do next. And 
don't feel like anything has come from the last year of my attempts to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's just so, so important that we do episodes like this where we really talk about the process and the experience of pursuing what we're pursuing and how it differs for each mm -hmm. of us and where we each are. Because the last thing I want to do is be selling anyone snake oil. You know, like that's not what I'm yeah. trying to do. And I, I, that's why I'm constantly also stressing the fact that I have certain privileges because I have a spouse who makes a good income and a stable income right now in a world where so few people have stable income. Because like, sure. if I do have some sort of very big success, it is because I've been given this, like the time and the space, the mental space to pursue something bigger because I don't have to be working three jobs the way I used to, like the way that you are right now, you know? But that also, it also like makes me put pressure on myself because I'm like, well, I've, I've been given this. So now something has to come of it, which I think has not been healthy. <laughs> right. Yeah. You just have a different kind of pressure now. Right. Yeah. I think just the pathlessness, like it, it when I was in the meat of my twenties, that seemed, you know, frustrating, but like full of possibility and excitement. You know, it was like, who knows? You never know mm -hmm. what thing it is. You know, I'll really like buy into the numbers game of it all. And now, you know, I'm I'm going to be 30 in a couple of months and I'm going to be married in a, about exactly a year. And like, I'm having to rethink what my my actual priorities are. And it's like, well, I can't play the numbers game the way that I used to. So I need to be mm -hmm. really specific about what numbers I really care about and do them even if it doesn't go anywhere. Cause like exactly what you said, you know, so Christina, you had your breakdown two months ago. I had my breakdown last night <laughs> and last oh night, gosh. like one of the things I was talking about, uh, was like, I exactly what you said, which is I don't want to, you know, die in 40 years. Let's hope I have more than 40 years, but like, I don't want to <laughs> die and regret both parts of my life. I don't want to regret that. I never, you know, broke in with my career and also regret that in my quest to break in, I completely ignored the other parts of my life that I know already bring fulfillment. Like the most fulfilling day I've had in over a year was when I was dog sitting for my mom a couple of weeks ago. And we went to the farmer's market in the morning and walked around and had breakfast. And we took my dog to the park so that she could play around and we could, you know, exercise some more. We went to a movie and then we spent the rest of the day kind of just like cleaning the house, running errands and like making good food from the garden. And mm -hmm. it was just so low key. And, you know, we had things to do. We had things to accomplish. We had certain errands we wanted to run. And, you know, we had to get to the farmer's market at a specific time, but it wasn't stressful. It was just a nice day of being alive. And I wasn't thinking about writing or work, you know, and I like I wasn't thinking of anything beyond like my day to day responsibilities of maintaining the household and all that kind of stuff. And it was mm -hmm. fucking lovely. And I got so mm -hmm. mad because I was like, how dare a day that's that basic be the best day of like my last year like how warped okay. are my priorities that like this is the only one of these that I've gotten in so long that's not okay and I I realized I need to chase more days like that and and find more opportunities for that instead of just <laughs> working myself to the bone and being only able to just sort of catatonically watch Netflix for a day because I can't <laughs> relax, but I also don't have the energy to do other things. So I just sort of sit here and like that, that can't be how I spend my free time all the time. It's not, that's not yeah. the life that I want to live. Yeah. But I think the hard part and why, again, it's hard to offer solutions or advice is like when you get to that realization, right? 
what do you do because the average person can't change like it's yeah. ba- it's your survival right and mm-hmm. the only yeah, reason I can't just quit all my jobs and start from scratch <laughs> right and the only reason I'm able to do what I'm doing right now which is you know move out of the city and have a different kind of life is because Justin he has a job that is letting everyone stay remote indefinitely if they want to. Mm-hmm. And so we actually have no need to be in the city. And it's like, okay, if you have a job that doesn't, that is specific to where you need to live, then you're paying the rent that that area requires. So you're probably, you know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's a city, it's probably smaller than you'd like to be living and more expensive than you'd like to be living. And, and yeah. And so like, that's why it's hard. It's hard because I want to give you advice, Brie, but there's like nothing I can actually tell you that isn't reliant on you having more money. <laughs> and that's just a right. fucked up. Uh, I mean, that's, that's why I can't go back to therapy because every time right. I've been in therapy for the past like five years, like one of the last sessions is always, I mean, you seem to have a very clear idea of what's going on in your life and what's causing you all of this stress but you also literally can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you could take a big swing, but that might end up making you more miserable. And like, you know, a big swing would probably stress you out more. So it's like, I don't really know what I can do for you. Right. You're, you seem like you're handling as well as you possibly could. And like, thanks therapist. But there's really, there's nowhere else to go. And so anytime someone's like, you seem very anxious. Are you in therapy right now? I'm like, no, because I know why I'm anxious. <laughs> like the, the problem is not the self-awareness. The problem is the ability yeah. to have any form of solution. And that, yeah. and it you just makes you feel so stuck and claustrophobic and it makes you feel mm-hmm you know, just so like nihilistic about everything. And that's why I've been having to like really think deeply about how can I not just have a completely disinterested portion of my day that I'm spending so much time and energy on? Like, how can I reprioritize so that regardless, you know, I am alive and feeling fulfilled even if I don't have this piece that I've been questing after, like, how do I Mm -hmm. make time for that, but also not have to work four weeks in a row without a single day off? Like, how can I build that life Mm -hmm. for myself and acknowledge that it might come at the cost of the freedom to pursue things as freely as I have been because of the sort Mm -hmm. of wonky way that I've been doing it. Cause like, I'm not even pursuing my career that hard right now. I don't have time. I teach two programs. Mm -hmm, I have a bunch of side hustle consulting stuff. I'm talking on panels every goddamn day of the year. (laughs) And I have a Mm -hmm. full-time job that I work at for definitely more than 40 hours a week, but get paid Mm -hmm. far under market pay because that's just how this industry is. So like the status quo isn't working. I need to reestablish my status quo before I can have these like, you know, these, the dreams, because the dream is just going to be frustrating to me until I maintain some level of equilibrium in my day-to-day. I need a day-to-day that I enjoy (laughs) first. Right. So, I mean, part of it is like the the fallacy of the American dream. Like we've all been raised in a- Have it all. Yeah. in In a society that tells you that you can like have a passion and pursue it and it can be profitable and you can make a living off of it when in fact, most people are not Mm -hmm. actually able to do that. Like, and, and I think as- Filmmakers, it's hard because we see these like, there's just so much fucking money in 
in yeah. Hollywood, right? That if you spread mm-hmm. the wealth, like we all could, we could actually be making stuff. That, and, and it could and it wouldn't just be about us. You and I know how important our work has been to some people, you know? And like seeing right. yes. people like us visibly right. succeed is also really important. So it's not just about like enriching ourselves to get to like have this fantasy. Like art doesn't right. exist in a vacuum. I'm, we're not creating it for ourselves. We're creating it for lots of people. And we know because right. we've reached those people before with like the skin of our teeth that they're out there and they're looking mm-hmm. for content like this. So yeah. sorry, that was my interjection. Please continue. No, 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 but no, it's right. It's right. And the system could maybe actually function somewhat like a meritocracy, but it absolutely does not now. It's no. And talent means nothing. Like talent is not what determines whether or not someone gets an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not a matter it, of work hard and you'll succeed. Right. Working hard is not an equalizer. Right. And so, again, the industry is a reflection of just the broader American system where, of course, if the wealth were spread around, we would have less people having to work jobs they hate in general. It's it's hard to divorce, like, what we're feeling and the frustrations from our industry from just, like, the general American capitalist system. But... What, what I think makes it hard for us is that we do see these success stories, right? Like we see these Issa mm-hmm. Rays that like start out right. making what they want to make that that are reaching people and touching people. And then they get to make it on a bigger scale and touch more people and reach more people and then hire. It's like playing the lottery in a way. Like you see right. that, that it's possible. And so it's hard to get out of the mindset of mm-hmm. – that being the only version of success that matters. Right. And I think that, uh, like, again, I hope this podcast at least help gets people to a point where they start to think about what their own version of success is, like outside of just what, what the industry shows you, but like what you actually want your life to look like, because mm-hmm. that has been helping me. <laughs> but that, again, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I don't feel like a failure sometimes or like everything I've done hasn't actually meant anything you know like that doesn't feel that doesn't mean that I don't have those feelings sometimes but I also know that that's not true that like what I have done has so much value and I have really tangible moments and things to show that 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 that's true yeah and that like I do have worth right and that you have worth regardless of where you are and whatever your outward Mm -hmm. success looks like you and your work the the art that you make right but Mm -hmm. It is hard. I, I, it's hard to get to that other side of then like, okay, how do I carve out that life when I need to fucking survive? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I will say for Bri- for you, Brie, I think part of it is quitting some of your <laughs> extra jobs because they'll uh-huh. always be there. Those things will always be mm-hmm. there. You can always work at a coffee shop if you need supplemental yeah. income. And that's like the funniest but- thing is that like I, I have an inherent trust in myself that like if – everything goes nuclear tomorrow, you know, in my work situation, I'll figure it out because I have twice before, which is why I'm so anxious about money because I've unexpectedly lost income twice in my life through no fault of my own. In both cases, I was an excellent employee and this, the income wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And like that, you know, hasn't taught me anything except for the fact that I know that I can figure it out. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that it's, it was, it's such a scary situation. You know, there's always that instinct of like, but But, what if this time you can't figure it out? But anyways, continue. Please keep giving me advice. I would love that. But I think, (laughs) I think it's about finding, making sure that the full-time job you have is sufficient for Mm -hmm. how much money you need to feel comfortable 
and that you have hard boundaries. And this is the thing, like if Justin didn't have the income that he had at the time that I quit my job and and that ha- when I decided to quit, it was still looking like I was going to have to get a new full-time job. He happened to get this mm-hmm. raise at like right when I was hitting the the end of my the time that I gave at the job. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at other jobs that checked the boxes of the things that I loved and that I was passionate about and that I felt I would actually have some boundaries and it wouldn't fall on me to set them up. It was a culture that actually right. had boundaries within the company. And so the point I'm making is I knew that no matter how much I took on the personal responsibility of putting up boundaries, that they would not be respected because of the culture of the company. And so I think that mm-hmm. that's one thing that you can do, Brie or anyone else who is feeling this way, is maybe you can't quit your job altogether, like you know, not work, <laughs> but you could quit the specific job if they're not respecting your boundaries and if they are contributing directly to your burnout. And I know that that maybe isn't even possible for everybody because, and I can say that like there, the things that I loved about my job were so hard to find in other places yeah. that that's why I stayed for as long as I did and why at the end of the day, it was always like weighing the pros and cons, but a lot of the pros right, were it's gone. it's not like it's, you know, we're getting net zero out of it. Right. Like that's honestly what what keeps people in bad situations so long is because there right. is good stuff. Yes. And I and and I had a job that people envied, right? And mm-hmm. so like that is the other part is so many people and I think this exists a lot in film and we're we're seeing it with the strike where it's like you have no you have no leverage to advocate for yourself because someone is going to replace you. Someone would step into that role mm-hmm. uh, because it's a, it's a dream job for a lot of reasons when you think yep. about the jobs that exist out there for people like us. And so sure. it's also how people stay in and how we see like, you know, crews continue to put up with what they put up with from Netflix and all the other studios that abuse them because they know someone is willing to step into that role. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the point that I was making. <laughs> but <laughs> I think we started with trying to come up with a solution and then remembered that capitalism is, exists. I do think what I will yeah. say in, in terms of like wrapping up this conversation and may, maybe trying to end on a slightly more positive note, uh, happy right. November, everyone. Like I know for me that, you know, even though I'm like, I'm pretty much like right in the middle, I'm in like the peak of just going to be a really bad month for me. How, you know, in spite of that, like there are a lot of things about my life that are markedly better than at the beginning of this year, you know, like forcing myself to get into hobbies that I am not trying in any way to further my career with has been a really lovely respite. And even though I don't do them all the time, I know that I have them to fall back on. Like I, you know, I kind of got into like gardening plants and painting and I signed myself up for like this stupid little um, second of the month club. And every time one comes in, I get so excited because I paid a little extra to get um, terracotta pots instead of just plastic ones, which means that I can paint them. So it's an excuse. Anytime I get one, even if I'm having a rough day, I'm like, well, I'm not just going to put the boring blank terracotta pot on my windowsill like no 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 this needs to match and so like I instantly like I get all my painting supplies and I just spend you know 15-20 minutes painting this tiny little succulent pot and like they give me a little card that teaches me about the succulent and what they like and so like it's just this this opportunity to take a breath 
And it's it's small, mm-hmm. but it's something I have control over and that I genuinely like doing. And I've been trying to slowly but surely build more of those things into my day. So like, you know, Quinn and I have been trying to play more board games together. And that's always been really fun. We love board games. We like learning new things. And now that I live near my brother and his partner who also like board games, like we occasionally will have them over and do that. And so that's been a fun thing to start getting back into. And, you know, I, it's just finding, giving myself permission to take time off and to not feel guilty about like, mm-hmm. well, I'm literally would not ge- be getting paid extra for, you know, this additional opportunity. So like, why am I doing it? Like forcing myself to be really specific about why I'm saying yes to things instead of saying, mm-hmm. you know, wondering about why I'm saying no to things. It's like, my problem has always been saying yes to too many things. So now I'm at work and outside of it. What am I actually like materially getting from this? Is it worth the loss of, another board game night, you know, after this podcast recording session, I'm probably going to go to the bar where my brother's having a cornhole tournament (laughs) for no reason other than like, it's a new brewery that we haven't been to. Quinn and I like going to breweries. We need an excuse to drive our car. Otherwise it will die on us again. That was a whole thing. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to it. You know, I would like to be asleep forever, but I know that if I go out, I'll enjoy it and I'll, we'll get to do an activity together and it won't cost us a lot of money. It'll just be a, an excuse to go out so that we can do errands on our way home. And that can be enough. And reminding yourself that there are things that you like outside of the pursuit of something that you mm-hmm. think you'll love mm-hmm. and letting that be enough. That's right. I think the best thing that everyone can be doing is trying to divorce themselves from work as their identity and Mm -hmm. then what you do after that and what you're able to do after that is going to look different for everyone but I think that is really like the thing everyone needs to do and I know I like I can't speak for everyone and I can't say that everyone I know that's a filmmaker define themselves by work and being productive quite the way that I did. Yeah, <laughs> and you and, and I tend to take it to a pretty toxic <laughs> yes. level. Yeah. But I imagine some of our listeners are maybe on that same page. And so that's step one. But if you've already done that, <laughs> great, good for you. <laughs> or maybe you were never even there. You were never doing that. I think it's hard to do though in all cu- our culture because it really kind of sets you up to do it, especially mm-hmm. when it is like something you're passionate about. But I think, yeah, what you said, Bri, is really kind of it is finding stuff that you actually enjoy mm-hmm. that you can do right now that you have control over that don't require eight other external forces to align in order for you to be allowed to do them find joy yeah. in the little things yeah and you know not get so caught up in the results something that i've mm-hmm. also been working on which is somewhat related is not posting everything on social media (laughs) like everything that I don't post I don't say that I don't post my day-to-day I'm definitely not someone who has like stories going all day but anytime something Mm -hmm. is happening that is like something outside of what I do on my day-to-day I would post it because it's like something to be seen and I'm trying to get in the habit of allowing a memory to just be a memory and photos of a thing to just be something I share with myself and people close to me and not something I put out on social media as like uh, a marker of as if it's an achievement like as if pump going pumpkin picking is an achievement you know like there's (laughs) there's trying to find more balance there but also not losing sight of like everything that we've said in our marketing episodes right where you do want to show off who you are as a human being I do obviously still want to create 
keep building an audience for my work. I do know that mm-hmm. my work can still reach more people and that there's value in that. And so building an audience and showing them who I am, that all still matters. But I also don't need to put everything out there. Mm-hmm. Some things are just for you. Yeah. And, and I think that that helps me start to feel less like a brand. <laughs> sure. And and like less like I'm building an audience for my life as opposed to for my work, you know? And so it's trying to find a little bit more of a line there, I think has helped yeah. me with the burnout. <laughs> you know, what's funny is for me at the very beginning of the pandemic, we started a family group chat that we've never had before. Like I never used to talk to everyone in my family as often as I do, or one side of my family. And what we like, what I started realizing I was doing is especially during the months where like, you know, neither of us were on social media for a while other than to like repost social justice things was I transitioned to just sending the family group chat stuff. So like if Quinn and I got a new board game and we're playing it instead of posting it on Instagram, I'd send it to the group chat. And now even today, like, you know, yesterday Quinn made homemade biscuits and gravy. Like he made homemade biscuits and homemade gravy and I sent it to them and like the group chat was enjoying it. And it was an opportunity for me to connect with the people that I actually love, like my family and Mm -hmm. still share, you know, something beyond like my house, but it isn't for public consumption. It's just mm-hmm. for, you know, those people. And like, you know, we have various group chat systems with, uh, with you know, our friends and former colleagues yeah. that sometimes will just post little successes in there or, you know, a picture that's fun. And like, that's also lovely. And I, I think carving out opportunities that are just for like the people in your life versus your brand is, I think that's super, super important. I also think high level, a piece of advice I often have for people who are feeling burnt out is to make a drastic change. Like before I quit my job as a barista at like a really toxic company and I didn't have a plan afterwards. And so this is, you know, should be one of those things that reminds me, hey, you can just do that and you'll probably be fine. But before I quit, I cut like all of my hair off. Like I I had had really, Mm -hmm. really long hair and I cut it all off and I put on lipstick and I went in and like I just looked great and I felt totally different and I tried like a new style on and it was it was nice to feel like a reset and so when I was a kid and I had less control um you know I would rearrange my room like my bedroom Mm -hmm. didn't look the same you know for more than six months at a time I would just like fully you know me 13 years old and spindly moving my bed around my room like this is the control I want today so sometimes that can also psychologically give you a little bump it's just making a drastic change you know for the better or just for the different Mm -hmm. even if it's a net neutral and it can kind of clear up some things and make you feel maybe a little bit less stagnant, which maybe I should follow my own advice for. Absolutely. I mean, slightly off topic, but I, I feel like when growing up, I never had the opportunity to do something like that because we lived in a one bedroom apartment, my mom, my brother and I for a lot of my childhood. And so I didn't even have a bedroom. I had like a bed in the corner of the living room and Mm -hmm. I had like some stuff that was mine, you know, a couple posters and whatever over my bed behind a little divider, but I never had the like, oh, I want to change. I'm just going to like change my room up, you know? And so that's never been a go-to for me in adulthood because it was never something that I ever had the privilege of growing up, but I've sort of discovered it in the last year of like, I can absolutely do whatever the fuck I want and just change shit up because... I'm an adult and I have mm-hmm. space now. I have some space. And and yeah, I think that's also part of why I'm excited about moving because I've never had a space that's felt like mine before. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I will. All right, cool. Well, I we've been talking for an hour and a half and I, I feel like I think we got somewhere slightly I think positive. That's I'm certainly time. feeling better. I mean, 
you know, I'm not going to have a break for a while, but this was a good middle point, I think, for me. So I, I appreciate you, Christina, and our listeners for, for being here in one way or another. Yeah, I'm glad we had this conversation. I hope it wasn't just like a huge bummer depressing. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope it was helpful somewhat, even if it made you realize you're not so alone in those feelings that mm-hmm. maybe you're having or... It just made you feel really good because you're not feeling quite as shitty as we are <laughs> at yeah. this particular moment. I'm like, oh, uh, at um, least I'm not those two. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but th- thanks for listening. And thanks so much to Kelsey Rauber for our theme music, Kaylee Brown for our podcast art, and Ezra Lee for editing this episode. Links to learn more about them, as always, are in episode description. And thank you to our booby VIPs, Shannon Sprangler, Jules Piggott, Rain Bernal, Kelsey Rauber, Jerry Maravia, Norman Steinberg, Amanda Blunt, Anthony Epp, Kim Garland, and Shana Rose Woolley. If you would like a name shout out at the end of every episode, please feel free to subscribe at patreon.com slash breakingoutpod. And also don't forget to rate us five stars if you haven't already and uh if you're feeling feisty or festive maybe give us an actual written review those actually make a big difference and we appreciate them every time next episode is our last official booby episode of 2021 we will have some patreon specific ones so for those of you who are already joining us on patreon you'll get access to some of those but for the main feed next episode is our last one and as mentioned we will be doing a sort of retrospective on our first year of podcasting as well as a career and life update. So if you're curious about maybe the less depressing parts of our last year, uh, (laughs) be sure to tune in.